When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics podcast. My name is Daniel. My name is Carl Anker. For a brief second, I forgot my name. Hey, well. <laughs> Have Hope is on his way. Um, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud. Follow us there. Um, if you're listening on an Apple device, subscribe. It's free. doesn't cost. Um, leave us a five-star review. If leaving reviews is your thing, even if it isn't, leave one anyway. Uh, we got one rating, but we didn't get a review. Like, If you're going to take the time out to leave us a review, you might as well put some words down so we can shout you out. Uh, but we appreciate whoever gave us a five-star from wherever you are in the world. Uh, very much appreciated. You got anything coming out that people might want to know? Yeah, um, I've just joined U.S. sports website, The Athletic, as one of their top six correspondents for the Premier League. So I'll be writing Manchester United reads there. Um, My first one argues that Mourinho sold his soul to a volcano, and that's why every single third season he implodes. It makes sense when you read it. Um, The Athletic (laughs) works. It makes sense when you read it. That's the best ever defense. Um, The Athletic... Uh, has a paywall. They work on a subscription fee, so you can get a discount on subscriptions right now if you use the promo code theathletic.com/manunited40. That's the number 40, and they get 40% off your first subscription. You can get a free trial for a week, so go on, check it out. It's not just me. You've also got a friend of the podcast, Mike Goodman. You've got all the top six clubs covered. So Melissa Reedy um, from the Anfield Rep is covering Liverpool. Got Ryan Bailey from Manchester for covering Manchester City. Gary Hayes is covering Chelsea. Gary Hayes has been on this podcast and he'll be covering Chelsea. Jack Lang will be covering uh, Tom Hotspur. Jack Lang helped us out with uh, the Brazil's coverage. Very dope. Fantastic. And on covering Arsenal, you've got James McNicholas, aka Gunnerblock. We've had and him too. Hey. We've had him too. And uh, Elliot Smith, aka Yankee Gunner. So uh, loads of friends of the Talking Tactics podcast and myself doing top six coverage. One of the benefits of the fact that, you know, it's behind the paywall is that we're really trying to push high premium content. So I know for a fact, Melissa has contacts within Liverpool Football Club. And if they don't have links within the club, they just know their stuff. So less opinions in I think and more here is what I have studied in the last three or four seasons in watching this football team. Um, so check that out. And I will be on the Totally Football Show next week. Next Monday slash Tuesday, I'll be on Totally Football Show with uh, your man, James Richardson, Football Italia fame, and some other wonderful people. So unfortunately, I won't be on Talking Tactics next week, but that's where you can find me instead. Just just a little bit more housekeeping. Uh, We do have a fantasy football league. I mean, this is probably the last week you probably want to jump on it. You might be able to catch up one week. Two weeks is asking a little bit too much, unless you're just, you know, brilliant fantasy football genius. But uh, I should run through, like, a couple people, like 98 points from Ellis Kirkpatrick, 
95 from Patrick Hurland. Andy Bagshaw, 94 points. Oscar Tanaka, 94 points. And somebody who I'm not even going to try. Dream United FC, 93 points. So that's the top five. So, damn, Carl, 85 points. The great thing about Twitter Fantasy Football Leagues is that anyone can join. But also, please, if you are a member of our Fantasy Football League and you are listening to this podcast, please tweet us. Please let us know if you're in our top five so we can at least tweet out and say congratulations to this week's top five at this one, at this one, at this one. I want to know who's beating me. I want to know who I am beating. Uh, my big target for this season is to beat Priya Ramesh. Sorry, Priya. It has to be you. Your team <laughs> was really good this last season, so I have to beat you this time. I'm 85th. It's not good. 44 points. I'm trying to see who let me down. Aubameyang let me down, man. Actually, that's not a bad segue. Let's start with the marquee matchup of the week because um, I know it's one you, you would have at least seen. Arsenal-Manchester City. I mean... I, I guess we kind of got the glimpse that City were ready when we saw them in the Community Shield, but the ease with which it seemed, they just mopped Arsenal up. It, it nobody's going to beat them, are they? It, it it was much like last week, you know. Manchester City are the team to beat this season, and it doesn't look like there's going to be a team which can beat them. Arsenal, it's a new system for Arsenal. They're playing under a brand new manager in Unai Emery. I'd say they were tactically naive. They didn't have a left back, so they played uh, Ashley Maitland Niles at left back. He was somewhat vulnerable to a fantastic fullback performance from Kyle Walker, and mm. just Kyle Walker great... actually got him injured, unfortunately. Now, I I almost got sad watching uh, Maitland Niles walk off the field. Like you, you got the sense like this is like his first chance to impress the manager, and then in the first half of your first game with, with this new manager, it looked like he did something to his knee, perhaps. But that was the result of Kyle Walker just doing Kyle Walker things. It's somewhat mean, you know, you're, you're a young player, you're being played out of position against the champions, against mm-hmm. what will probably go down as a historically good Premier League side. You're being played out of position. The players who are backing you up are a Grant Ijaka, a Aaron Ramsey, a Socrates and a Mustafi. So if you need cover, you need someone to help you out, you're probably not going to get the cover you need because they're not the most mobile team. Which, again, it was one of those... There was a, a, a player map of the average position of the Arsenal players um, throughout the match. It just looked a mess. So you had Socrates and Mustafi, who were very far apart. And then you had Bellerin and Maitland-Niles, who pushed forward nearly on the halfway line, which sort of reminded me a bit of how Germany like to play when it's going well. But when it goes badly, they just, they're just they so vulnerable to the counter-attack. Jakra and um, Gondosi. Gondosi was pretty good. So he was fine, you know, they were right. You know, Jacker and Yaman were relatively <laughs> relatively disciplined in midfield there. Uh, Mesut Ozil was kind of tasked to play inside forward right on the right-hand side. And then you've got Aaron Ramsey just bombing forward ahead of Aubameyang. And then Mkhitaryan and Aaron Ramsey both ahead of Oba in what I assume was an attempt at pressing Manchester City that didn't pay off. City were great. And the only reason Arsenal got a sniff in the game was when City took their foot off the pedal and Lacazette came on the pitch and started troubling people. But it, it says a lot that City only look vulnerable when City are complacent. And you've got to bear in mind what David Silva can come back, Kevin De Bruyne can come back, that Gabriel Jesus can still get on the pitch. This is Riyad Mahrez in his first Premier League match with the new team. Like it's it's not gelled yet after the summer, after the World Cup, and they have arguably the best player and Kevin De Bruyne, people can argue has it or whomever, but Kevin De Bruyne to come back into this team. Like, it's it's not fair. <laughs> I'm jealous. I'm jealous, man. Have you seen the kind of drama that's gone on with Petr Cech? Oh, yes. 
Percek has been involved in a very interesting one too with the Bayer Leverkusen Twitter account. Essentially, the Bayer Leverkusen, the English language Leverkusen account, made a comment along the lines of, we quite like to watch Bernd Leno play football. Percek, for some reason, decided to take umbrage at what we thought was clearly a joke. The interesting thing is he dot added, so he wanted to make sure everyone could see it. Mm. Um, dot at Arsenal. We share important values which make us a big club, not only on the football side, Fair competition, professionalism and sportsmanship are the biggest ones you teach young footballers. And it's sad to see when other clubs don't share the same values at Bayer Leverkusen. It, it was a bizarre, well, I say bizarre in terms of why did you feel the need to, to comment? The Leverkusen social media account was pretty quick in apologising, saying, Hi, Petter, it seems our joke about wanting to see Leno, our former player in action, has been taken a bit more harshly slash personally than intended. It was only a bit of banter. We're all for the value you've stated and wish you and your big club all the best. Nice one-on-one -on -one save versus Aguero. And then just behind it, uh, the AS Roma account uh, tweeted a gif of Michael Jackson eating popcorn in Thriller. Um, and then Bayer went, oh, thanks for showing up just when we thought everyone was about to go home. <laughs> um, so that shows one thing. Uh, Petr Cech, he's got rather thin skin now. And two, the AS Roma account is one of the best accounts on Twitter. The Roma account and the Bayern Munich US, really, really good. Do you um, think Petacek was salty because he basically almost scored an own goal? <laughs> like, what was that? <laughs> that pass was so bad. The, the only reason he put the at Arsenal, like the, the period before, is because he feels a way. There's no way you can't. Like, he knows that the system in which that Emery wants him to play with, like, like uh, the goalkeepers play more at the back, which we could probably have a conversation about why Allison costs so much, why Kepa costs so much, why Edison costs so much? Because if you're going to have all these pressing systems or play against teams that want to press, you need goalkeepers who are decent with their feet, right? That's a whole other conversation. But it goes to the point that Czech, as good as he's been over the course of his Premier League career with Chelsea, not so much Arsenal, that he hasn't really had to do that. Whatever this new era of Arsenal is, you're going to try to play possession-based football with Petr Cech, and he almost scores an own goal like in the first 90 minutes. Like It's not good. So he feels a way that he's uncomfortable and people are judging him in that uncomfortability, I think. So now he's firing off shots at Registability, <laughs> who's like, if we know anything about... How, how deep do you go into football Twitter, Carl? I've, I try and stay away from football Abbey Twitter. Me too. I think my pinned tweet for a couple of weeks was, if your Twitter name is a pun on a football player, I, have no, I don't care what you have to say. What you said... To, to like make the point is it was bizarre to spend all this money on a goalkeeper who is known or is supposed to be good with his feet and then in this game against Manchester City where you were going out with a specific system one of which involves a goalkeeper with good, that is good with their feet that you go at a check Sam Allardyce uh, the future manager of insert Premier League club here was on Sky Sports recently basically said Emery completely dropped a bollock with the tactics against Manchester City. To a degree, the degree you can understand, this Arsenal side will win more games than they will lose. You know, it's not easy to play against Manchester City. And I, I don't know if I can take many takeaways from losing 2-0 against the Manchester City side, but they don't look, they don't, they didn't look top four where they did they? Not quite. And they have a big match next week against Chelsea. I mean, if you lose your first two games and you're already effectively six points behind, whether it be Chelsea or... Manchester City, that's not that's not a hole you really want. I guess we could talk about Chelsea quickly before we get to, like, Liverpool and that. Um, <laughs> firstly, Morata's a brick. I know half hope he's not here yet, but I'm going to go ahead and use his terminology. Like, 
I know a lot of people in the UK probably wouldn't have watched the game. So I don't know if you guys saw this on Match of the Day. Like, you'll have to tell me. But there was a moment in the game. It was the first 10 minutes. Morata gets a ball. He's he's offside, like marginally. He doesn't know he's offside. And he shanks the ball. He's he's basically one-on-one with the goalkeeper. He shanks the ball right. And I'm just like, I'm looking at this like, this is our guy for the season. It's so bad. Relying on N'Golo Kante to score goals. Well, not relying. But the fact that I feel more confident somehow that we're going to get goals from midfield than our strikers. Sorry, better be a magician. Does it look like a confidence issue? Does it look as if he's just not as good as we thought he was? Or It's both. It's He's not confident because he's not that good at playing striker. Why do you think that is? Is that because the pace of the Premier League isn't is to his suiting? Is it he is uncomfortable in the system that's being asked of him? It, it could be too early to judge him off 90 minutes against Huddersfield Town in his first game under Sorry. So that, that could be it. But it just there just seems a mental block when it comes to scoring with his feet. He's a good footballer. The technique is there. Like Kepa was putting balls into him. He was knocking heads headers down for Barkley to run onto. Like you can see he's a useful player. And he has technique about him. But it's just once he gets in front of goal and you're like, all right, we need you to be a ruthless clinical. I know people hate that word, but ruthless clinical, put the ball in the back of the net, Diego Costa type finisher, it's not there. I used to say this quite a bit with uh, another one, another Chelsea striker, Olivier Giroud, which is Olivier Giroud is a good striker. He's just not good enough to be your number one option if you're a football side that wants to win the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Is that does that seem to be a you know more in line with what? Is it not that there is a funk with Morata, but simply Morata just wasn't as good as we all thought he was? Perhaps, perhaps. Do you remember the debate that there was against like um? Should you buy Lukaku? Should you buy Morata? And then there, there was this whole like, oh, he's more intelligent. He's this. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel as if he looks like he's supposed to be good. He's six foot two. Like I said, he's good on the. He's he's good with the ball at his feet as long as he's not shooting. He's good airily, so he can score with his head. Like there are there are things about you look at him and you think that's a good striker. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in some of the moments and pieces of play that he had at Real Madrid and elsewhere, he looks competent. But it's just that one bit, like any other player can have that flaw. Like if, you, if you're if you a great midfielder and you have the technique, but you're not good in front of goal, I can find a purpose for you in my team. But if you're a striker and your job essentially is to put the ball in the back of the net and you struggle doing that, I'm not sure you're a good striker, you know? He would be a great secondary striker, I think, just somebody who, who an actual poacher could play off. And we've been saying this, I guess, for uh, two years now, like, I wanted to see him and Michi Bachuai, who's gone to Valencia, unfortunately, in the last time we talked. I would love to see that, like a poacher in Bachuai and someone who, who he can play off. But obviously, Sarri's going to play 4-3-3, so that doesn't happen. Do I think he's good enough to win a team the league? No. It's political at this point because he costs £60 million. And you have to give a player who costs £60 million, who at the time was your most expensive player, his chance, even if he's going to ruin the club and, you know, give you a second season of Europa League football, which potentially could happen. Do you think he could but, be the difference between Champions League and, and Europa League? It depends on Hazard, Pedro, and Willian. If those three players can score you 10 goals apiece or 15 goals apiece, if that's a possibility in this new world of sorry football, then maybe you can carry a player like Morata who doesn't score the number of goals that it would seem like he should be able to. But his inability to put the ball in the back of the net with his feet in a system that requires a player to be good with their feet in front of goal in the box is going to end up costing us a few games here and there. 
with Conte's system, we created so few chances that when the striker missed, it was even more compounded because who knows where the next one is going to come from. Whereas now, I feel like against teams in the lower half, if Sari does play this kind of open, expansive, attractive style of football, which is bound to generate chances, maybe Morata's missing won't be that punitive um, mm-hmm. in the way it would be with a more pragmatic defensive manager, a la Conte, a la Mourinho. So, like, if Lukaku misses chances for United, maybe that could get you out of top four because your team maybe not isn't going to create enough chances against, you know, your Watfords or whomever. But maybe we could get away with it, as we did yesterday. But if it comes down to, like, yo, this is a top four six-pointer against Arsenal or against Tottenham or against City, and you get two chances in a game, I'm, I'm, I'm not confident and I don't think any Chelsea fan is confident that Morata can get us there. But the first game was okay. Conte scored a left-footer volley. I'm happy with that. Jorginho's penalty run-up. Maybe we can talk about that another time. I don't want to get stuck with Chelsea. And Hazard came on for like 15 minutes and just proved that he was the best player in the Premier League. I think he went on like seven successful dribbles. Like he had Jorginho laughing at him at how good he was. Yeah, just watching Hazard is a delight. I'm really glad we didn't send him to Madrid. But where do you want to go? You want to talk about your club? It was fun. It was a fairly perfunctory performance. It was it was a nice surprise. Paul Pop again, eight minutes was worrying, but again, a very interesting penalty route. He got the captain's armband. He he was great. Pereira in the centre midfield, sort of the midfield shield, was was surprising considering that he wasn't getting game time for as much game time as I would have liked on the right wing. But it shows for his versatility. Luke Shaw getting a goal was amazing. And for all the talk about Mourinho wanting another centre back and wanting Toby Alvaro, possibly wanting Varane or the late bid for Godin, which turned out to be a contract flex. The two Mourinho-bought centre-backs of Eric Bailly and Victor Lindelof were good. That was a good defensive partnership from two centre-backs that Mourinho's bought. They have never played with each other. That's a decent base. Slight worries about right-back. Damian looked... He's not good enough for Manchester United. The, the, the best Damian story I can give you is the um, in the season where Van Gaal, where there was the leaks about what it was like under Van Gaal. The person who did the leaks, <coughs> Wayne Rooney, told the story about how one young player at Manchester United, he was worried that this young player, man didn't have what it took for Manchester United because he had no real-world experience. Because this young man had walked up to the canteen and went, hi, the coach said, I need to eat, get more eggs into my diet. Could you boil me some eggs so I can take home and eat? And the canteen went, why can't you boil eggs at home? To which the player went, I don't know how to boil eggs. <laughs> which 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 makes me it makes me really it, you know it makes me laugh but it's also uh... I'm sorry <laughs> how do you not know how to play <laughs> okay I'm sorry I'm sorry go ahead go ahead that's just yeah. embarrassing Look, it's funny it's funny I it's funny and it also highlights just how vulnerable and protected footballers are nowadays that you can get to you know early 20s playing for one of the biggest clubs in, in the in the world and not know how to ball an egg it's not that difficult Darmian allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. But, oh, no I, I wanted to ask you about two players specifically um first Fred and uh Alexis Sanchez Fred seemed perfectly fine you know we've well people who follow me on social media may know where I work and know that I spend a lot of my time now talking to Brazilian football writers and people that know members of the Brazilian national team and whatnot. And the general consensus around Fred is, one, he's fantastic, he's two-footed, and he would have made 
the Brazil national team if he hadn't been injured just before the World Cup. So uh, he, he seemed fine. I'd give him a 6 out of 10. Uh, the Sanchez one is worrying. It, it very much looks like a square peg in a round hole. San, we, you know what you get from Alexis Sanchez. This guy's going to give you that pit bulls type energy. Sanchez is always trying to make stuff happen, which very often means he's going to lose the ball a lot, which very much happened. He lost the ball more, more times than anyone on the pitch on Friday. And it, it doesn't seem like it's working. Mike Goodman wrote an interesting post about what the Manchester United players who play on the right-hand side of the pitch do. His breakdown is essentially when Martial or Rashford play on the right-hand side, they're trying to play as a second striker. And then when Sanchez does it, he's neither the like attacking Tyro, make something out of nothing player that he was at Arsenal, nor is he supplying much in terms of assists or crosses. He looks knackered. Uh, and this was always the worry that you know he had a lot of miles on the clock. This was his first summer of after five seasons, and the hope the hope was with his first summer of he could rest, relax, and when he gets back to it, he's going to be amazing. But it doesn't seem to be clicking yet. Will it click? Yeah, I, I definitely hope so. Sanchez didn't, isn't a bad player, and he hasn't become a bad player overnight. And his numbers don't suggest that he is playing particularly worse or doing anything particularly different. And the problem was at Arsenal, very much everything was set up so Sanchez could do what he wanted to do. Whereas at Manchester United, he is being asked, it's very much, hey, Alexis, it's nice if you do what you want to do, but also could you try doing these four or five things as well? And it doesn't seem to be working. There was a really interesting thing Sam and Nasri said about when he went from Arsenal to Manchester City, which was when it was at Arsenal, he could do anything. Because you know, Arsenal, I could I was playing on the right, I could drift on the left, I could drift into the middle. If I got you know, if I thought I could beat the guy on the left hand side, I tell the person on the left hand side to swap with me and do that. I could go as a second striker, I could bomb ahead of the striker, I could do everything. Then I get to Max the City and the man's going, You stand here, because if you drift inside, you're gonna get in David Silver's way. And that's gonna mess up the team. And he said he didn't really understand what to do there. And I think that looks like it's happening, if not if not in coaching things happen on a pitch where Sanchez just seems to be getting in the middle you know what are you doing you're gunking everything up because you're in your impulse way you're losing possession if you're playing on the right hand side you're leaving so much space for your right back to just get swarmed you know I keep coming back to this but when I saw Spurs beat Manchester United at Wembley last season one thing that particularly stuck out to me was just how much space Sanchez left for Ashley Young to get murdered mm. in the fullback <laughs> position like Ashley Young is a 30 something converted winger just going Bloody hell, mate. Give me some room. Yeah, I just I found it curious that, that you said that he looks tired. I mean, obviously, it's the first game of the season, so maybe we can allow him that one. But, yeah, if he, he, he had the whole summer off, it would seem that he should, like, just step in and be ready to go. I find that a bit strange. But, but uh, that, that's the thing about football. It doesn't, it doesn't always work like that. You don't uh, – this is the thing about all sports. You know, these footballers aren't – Give them a month off and they, they won't come back even stronger like a Dragon Ball Z character. Like, someone will come back and like, all right, cool. It will take a couple of games to throw it all out. Um, I'm never going to relate to the Dragon Ball Z references, man. Sorry. Black people love Dragon Ball Z. You should get involved. Uh, it's, it's, it's demonic. Uh, <laughs> Once again. <laughs> oh, I see. Imagine, imagine my Ugandan father coming home and seeing... Goku do whatever he turns yellow or I don't I don't even want to know. I know the characters just because I'm a kid my age, but I mean and, uh, we can we, we can talk about uh I guess Tottenham and Liverpool before we do uh Yeah, let's do Tottenham and Liverpool thing. and then just go through the entire rest of the Premier yeah. League. Um so Tottenham played Newcastle, right? Yep. Harry Kane still hasn't scored in August, by the way. Um so don't give him your fantasy really, squad. I'm really worried about Harry Kane. In what way? 
in in that he might have had his Wayne Rooney ankle injury, if that makes Explain sense. Explain further. Explain further. So my opinion about Wayne Rooney was Wayne Rooney wearing the number eight, fantastic player, great servant to Manchester United. Wayne Rooney, there are two types of Wayne Rooney playing number 10. So it was the Wayne Rooney wearing number 10, who was this amazing, versatile, fluid attacker who, you know, every now and again, needed a couple of games to get into form. That was great. Plays a fantastic second banana to Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo leaves. Ferguson pumps him full of smoke and dust and hype and tells him he's the best number nine in the world. And he goes off and scores 34 goals in that season where everyone calls him by Pele. Then he breaks his ankle in the buying game, the first leg. He's meant to be out for like a month. Three, he's meant to be a doubt for the World Cup. And then the week later, with his foot in an ankle boot, Fergie goes, do you want to give it a go? Rooney goes, I'll try. Like, I can walk on it. I can definitely give you 45 minutes. United staff tell him you should only run in straight lines. He plays 45 minutes with Bayern. Nani scores. Him playing against Bayern shocks Bayern. It looks like it's a done deal. It looks like United will get to the final Champions League. Then you get the Robin goal. But ever since then, ever since that ankle injury and ever since Rooney turning up a week later when he should have been out for at least a month, he was never, never the same. Bit premature and touchwood, and I very much hope this has not happened. It will not happen for Harry Kane. But Harry Kane is half the strike he was now compared to what he was before that ankle injury. So, you know, remember Kane, done his ankle, was meant to be out for three months, was meant to be a warrior for the World Cup, comes back after three weeks. Everyone is very confused as to what happened. Plays all right, you know, gets two or three goals, but isn't, isn't really the same. Luckily, Spurs looked like they'd done enough work to, to, to get in the Champions League spaces. Goes to the World Cup, you know, wins the Golden Boot, by all accounts, has had a very good World Cup, but got picked up a knock against Colombia. Wasn't the same after the Colombia game, where, as before, he was very much the number nine to the spear in the quarterfinal game against Sweden and in the semifinal game against Croatia. He was basically playing a centre midfielder or another ten, just dropping deep, playing balls out for Sterling and whatnot. Now the league started again. He looks so I don't want to say slow because Kane was yeah. rapid, but he looked he looks one dimensional. He looked he okay, got, Carl. He Carl, looks Carl, like he's look, lacking a dimension. England played seven games. Like they got to the third place game of the World Cup, and he's playing in the first game. If you look at like Hazard, Hazard got fifteen minutes at the end of the game because I think Sari realized like he's been in training with us for like a week mm-hmm. or however long. So it's gonna take him time to get into the season given the late time that he got with this group. Now, obviously, you can argue that, like, Spurs, they didn't buy anyone this summer. There shouldn't be any kind of adjustment period to Harry Kane playing at Spurs. It should just, you know, plug and play. But I feel like you kind of have to give him – As obviously, I'm not jumping on you because you said it was premature to think this, but you, you have to give him a little bit of time, I think, to get back is, into, like, full match fitness. This is why I'm worried, right? So Harry Kane hasn't had full match fitness since the ankle injury near the end of last season. Perfect. And he's – He's played her like maybe 60, 60 to 70% capacity since then, then goes to the World Cup, then gets hurt again. So you probably take another 10, 15% off that. So he's playing 65%, barely any preseason, 65%. Do you think it's just not in him to just say, I need to sit down, I need to rest? Like, do you think his personality is that driven to where, like, I need to play, I have to be playing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think we know we know so much about Hurricane now. I, you know, I've talked to him, I've talked on this podcast about how he used the gambler's paradox. You know, he sweared on his daughter's life that he scored a goal. Um, <laughs> Harry Clay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is the wrong surname. His second daughter's just been born, and he's just tweeted about how he's learned loads about hypnobirth and how that's going to help him with his game going forward. 
his girlfriend giving birth while hypnotized has taught him a lot about meditation and how to be calmer when he's on the pitch. Excuse like, me? Harry Kane. <laughs> look, look, wait, wait, wait. When, when I can have my five minutes to talk about Harry Kane, please tell me because, so, because I have to refute everything Carl has just said, but please carry on. Jesus Christ, guys. Honestly. Go ahead, Carl. Go ahead, finish. Um, finish up. So uh, this, this is what we know about Hurricane, and this is what makes Spurs' Spurs' inactivity in the transfer window even more worrying, right? Egregious. It's egregious. They bought no one. They bought absolutely no one. First time in the transfer window ever. It was bad when Wenger only bought check. He didn't buy an outfield player. He only bought check for 11 mil. Yeah. Like, that was bad. But to, um, leave, to not buy anyone. To not buy anyone where you know... To not buy anyone, at the same time, you've got three players who are essentially for sale. Moussa Dembele, Danny Rose, and there's one other person. Alderweireld. And, and, Alder, and Alderweireld are for sale. You know, to a less degree, Janssen is for sale. No, no Janssen's gone. Uh, Fernando, <laughs> Fernando, Fernando Lorente is for sale, right? And you can't get these things. You've got a brand new stadium that now it's just been announced that Spurs won't be able to move into their new stadium, the revamped White Hart Lane now currently known as the Top Hotspur Stadium, until the new year. So they're going to be Wembley for another six months. Oh, wow. you, can't, you can't drop Harry Kane because he is your number one striker. You don't have the backup. Like yes, you back, can. Yes, you your can. Your backup is Son, who's, and Son has to go in January to play in the Asian Cup. Uh, can, when you remember the comments that Pochettino made at the end of the season where he said the club has to be brave and take risks, and, and I don't understand how Pochettino is saying be brave and take risks. Daniel Levy went, okay, I'll be really brave and really risky and not by anyone. It, it, that said, you know, Newcastle looked very good. Unfortunate injury to Yedlin, former Spurs player. Um, again, very disappointing that Newcastle turned a profit in the transfer window. Mike Ashley has to go because it, it's, yeah, so it's getting really sad. I'm really, I feel really bad for my Newcastle supporting friends right now. Okay, so who is Harry Kane? Harry Kane is England's latest golden boy. England's previous golden boy was Wayne Rooney. <laughs> so, so England's previous golden boy was Wayne Rooney. He was called the White Pele. That failed. Harry Kane right now is England's current golden boy, even if people do know that Storage is technically the far superior striker to him. But England have engineered this myth that Harry Kane is a superb world-class top three striker. Harry Kane is a very good striker. Don't get it twisted. The guy that scores that many goals consistently is a very good striker. He's not as good as people say that he is. And I think that his performance at the World Cup, I don't want to hear any excuses. He is the worst Golden Boot winner of all time. Easily the worst World Cup Golden Boot winner of all time. Two, okay, two goals, I'll, I'll give you that, from close range, three penalties and a deflection. Embarrassing. And he was crap. He was a total and utter break in the three knockout games, especially the semi-final. When they needed him the most, he flopped. And the thing with Harry Kane, same thing in the Champions League against Juventus, in the biggest games when it's fully pressure, he flops. So he is a decent striker, but don't put him in the same category as an Aguero, a Suarez, or, or, or so forth, any of these top guys who will deliver at the biggest stage. I think Tottenham are, are, are screwed because Pratino needs a situation where he says, Harry Kane, you're dropped. You're not, you're not playing well. I need to bring someone in here right right now. So in a situation where Harry Kane may not really be, be fully honest, you need a, you need a competition. And I think you can't have a situation where a player feels he's, he's, he's fully safe. So Levy screwed over Pochettino because he promised Pochettino cash. He didn't give him cash. And now Tottenham now have to hope because Son is going away to the Asian Games and Son is a quality, quality attacking player. But what if Hurricane Bonza? What if Hurricane doesn't get the goals he normally does 
right right now. Who knows? He probably will, but what if he doesn't? Tottenham are screwed because they do not have an alternative. But yeah, I think this hurricane thing is he's a very good striker, but he's not world class and he has flopped too many times at the big stage for me to put him in the same category as an Aguero and so forth. Stop making excuses for this guy. We can leave it there. Um, right. you did bring up a name that we'll get to in a bit in a bit. Sturridge. Did you guys watch the Liverpool game, I'm assuming? Nabi Keita. Wow. I was speaking to, to the Banter boys and like, I think it was Matt, man like Matt. He said, Nabi Keita is going to be one of the players of the premiership. And I was like, what? Because I watched him as Red Bull Leipzig and I was like, okay, box to box. Yeah, pretty good. I didn't think he was this good of a well-rounded football player. As in his ability to find space, to pick a pass, to get the ones. Just He's just an extremely intelligent, very aware central midfielder who can also attack and can, and can defend. So... When you just saw them struggling with Henderson and Milner, I told you, you cannot win anything with Henderson and Milner. You, you, you can't. Keita is a vast upgrade on Milner and Henderson. Vast upgrade. So, yeah, it's one game. And West Ham played horrible tactics. But still, from what I can only judge on what I've seen, that guy looks like a really, really good player. Carl and I were talking about at the beginning of the podcast about, like, City, it doesn't look like they're going to be caught, how they just kind of picked up where they left off. You know, we saw evidence of that against Chelsea and and now Arsenal. But Liverpool looked vastly improved. I mean, Allison didn't have that much to do, but the bit he did have to do, he looked good. Keita, as you said, looks like a, a revelation in midfield. I know you've been talking about Salah's only going to score 15 goals max, but he's already off. He's you know he scored <laughs> no, already. Mane, Mane, who was linked, I think, with Barcelona and Real Madrid over the summer, or maybe not the summer, but like May, June, somewhere in there. Look, the goal was offside, but you know. So offside. <laughs> I mean, if they're not going to call offside, might as well score, right? Liverpool. So, great. I mean, they look great. Liverpool look great. Let's also pay attention to how bad West Ham were. Yes, that was. Mm. That was a. Ooh. We got to give look, them time as well, though. Like yes, they have a new we, manager, they have a bunch of new signings. Like Philippe Anderson looks that great. <laughs> yeah, them. you know, you're, you're you're trying to. This isn't football manager. This isn't FIFA. You can't. Well, you can't have five new signings in your first 11 on the first game of the season. Yeah, that's crazy. Against possibly the second best team in the country and expect everything to go well. Again, they were playing some very strange football. Like, well, I don't know what sort of high-line pressing football they were playing, but um, David Priest... I don't Priest, think they did either. I don't think David, they did either. That's the thing. David Priest, <laughs> who I recommend to everyone if you're remotely interested in the art of goalkeeping or like how defensive systems or set pieces work from a defensive point of view. Um, he pointed out there was a bit um, in the West Ham Liverpool game where West Ham were defending a free kick around their penalty area and the defensive line for West Ham were further up the pitch than the two men in the wall defending against the Liverpool free kick, which wow. is just, that—that <laughs> that is, you are not paying attention. Jack Wilshere as an advanced, as an advanced attacking midfielder yeah, that'll that'll work against Huddersfield, perhaps, but against the you know the disciplined, high pressing Liverpool side, that you're gonna slapped up. Declan Rice isn't good enough. Um, Antonio, unfortunately, I think Antonio's run as a, a top level Premier League footballer. Maybe. Have you seen his haircut? Like, what is that, bro? Like, <laughs> I love I love Antonio because because bless him, he is a he is a. By all accounts, a lovely footballer. He's played in multiple positions for West Ham. He loves West Ham. Uh, I have a particularly funny story about Mikhail, uh, about Antonio, in that he, for years at school, told everyone his name was Michael. 
And then one parent's evening, his mum went, no, his name's Mikhail. He assumed, Antonio assumed that his name was misspelled for a long time and told everyone his name was Michael instead. Until you never have that conversation with your mom, like until his mom pointed out, no, no, that that's your name. You're not, you're not Michael. Like I gave you this name instead. But yeah, by all accounts, he's, he's you know he's a nice man, and I'm getting to a point in my life where if you're a nice man, I will give you the benefit of doubt, regardless of your footballing skills. Uh, are you more curious to see what Liverpool do in Europe or what they do domestically? Domestically, um, that's what it's about. You know, it's about what they can do in in the Premier League. Because again, even if I feel that they are built of to win the Champions League, but I think that I think the focus has to be on what they do in the league. Because I I feel that the only team that can challenge Man City is uh, a Liverpool. City embarrassed everyone else, and I just think a Liverpool with the only team that really beat up Man City and and they beat them up three 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 times. So by logic, if Liverpool are more consistent, beats the small teams, Liverpool win the, the league. Because if it comes comes down to it, Liverpool know that they can beat City home or away if it's eleven v eleven. So the focus has to be on because they've they've already done the, the the Champions League already, but they've not won the league in like three three hundred years. So you know, yeah, I, I I get that point, but I'm saying like they made the final of the Champions League last year, albeit with a little luck. Yeah, but, and, and uh, also a, a very easy path. But but they've so, improved vastly as. But are they beating Barcelona with what Dembele is doing? I don't think so, bro. We'll we'll probably talk more when the when the groups come out. But yeah, um, let's run through the rest of these, man. Bournemouth beat Cardiff, and I don't know if you guys got any thoughts yeah, on I'll, that. I'll talk about it, on, it was it was good from Eddie Howe. Um, interesting stat is now Eddie Howe is the longest serving manager at the in the Premier League right now. Eight years, so, something like that. Six. Basically, yeah, but yeah. Now Wenger's gone. The manager at the club for the longest amount of time ah, the Premier okay. League clubs. It's of all the Premier League teams is Eddie Howe. They look good. They recruit well. They should not be worrying about relegation. They should be comfortably looking for that 14th to eighth band. Cardiff, they weren't good. <laughs> I heard um, that. I heard which that. Which is which is which is it, it feels particularly mean this season because you know, Fulham spent 100 million in, in the transfer window Wolves spent very good money thanks to the Mendes connection and whatnot and Cardiff are what a promoted side is supposed to be doing which is basically mm. we made it we're going to play pretty conservative football we're going to aim to win half of our home games and then beat the teams around us and hope we can finish to get 40 points um so, Crystal Palace beat Fulham um Jeffrey yeah. Slup amazing goal um, and then Zaha did what Zaha does, I guess. Um, one thing that it was just basically Crystal Palace just were more street smart. How he many could... games did it take Crystal Palace to get points last year? Six? Eight. I think Eight. six, seven. It, like they went six or seven it games. It was Chelsea. Off. They played Chelsea after the international break. And they got Which yeah, might great. have been six or seven games. So they'll, they'll stay up, huh? <laughs> they'll, they'll be. They'll they'll, stay, you know, yeah. And they've kept with which was the big thing. Spurs spent no money. You couldn't get Zaha? Zaha, who wanted this, man, Spurs need to look at themselves. We don't know how close Zaha came to leaving, but now they've kept him. I think they're, you know, they're very much going to. Does he even have a new contract? I don't think so. But now they've got him. I think Palace are going to be looking again for that 14th to 8th slot. Any thoughts on Watford beating Brighton by two goals? It was nice from Watford. This was the first time of Watford in a. This is the first time in a long time where Watford announced a starting eleven where all of their players had previously been at Watford a season ago. Troy Dean was talking about how they had a really, really good season. Gracia seems to have 
found a nice system. Uh, Have I spoken in this podcast about how I know the Watford Stadium announcer? No. Uh, I've recently basically just got to know the stadium announcer at Watford. And she has admitted... Yes, Hope. (laughs) Relax, relax, man. Don't don't, don't, don't just assume. Okay, G. Uh, But yeah, she she admitted that sometimes the team sheet comes up and she's like, I have no idea who this person is. Which says a lot about Watford Football Club and says a lot about how they seem to defy the odds on what you should do when you are running a football side. The worry about Brighton is they might they might have made their squad too weird. And this seems to happen with a lot of Chris Hutton sides where they seem they get good football, they stay up once playing fairly orthodox 4-4-2, 4-4-1-1, and then he gets a bit of money and tries to decorate his squad and it doesn't work and they get relegated. Wolves... Everton, 2-2. I mean, we can talk about a few things in this game. The Neves goal, we can talk about Richarlison, we can talk about Jed Gielke being an idiot. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Richarlison, yeah, yay. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of money, but Richarlison's potential ceiling is very high, and he seems to be paying the back. Uh, I said before, you know, he tailed off massively off the journey because he was knackered, and now he's got a preseason, he's getting some game time. And, and, and he's with the guy that brought him to England. I think that's yeah. key as well. Like To be with that guy probably gives him a little bit more confidence as well. He played very well. Um, I, I, what was it that you tweeted? Jackie Elka doing his best? Oh, it was uh, Jackie Elka doing his best to help out Mina and Dorzuma. Because <laughs> you know, basically, like, last season with Chelsea um, against Burnley, Cahill decided that he wanted to be messy, and he took out some Burnley player, I think. He got red-carded. And that kind of ushered in Christensen into the team, mm-hmm. um, which was what everyone basically wanted, that Cahill's not playing and we get to see one of our young players. Obviously, these aren't young players. But, uh, yeah, if Jagielka has to sit out three games so you get to see Mina sooner than you would or Zuma sooner than you would, that, well, that's a good me. thing, I think. That must be such an odd feeling. Being nah. It must be such an odd feeling being a football player, knowing that you've just been suspended and going, oh, shit, that could be it for yeah. your first team, right? Yeah, Whoa. Cahill, Cahill. If you look at Cahill, like he he got in at the latter end of last year, and that might have been, yo, we want to get him in the World Cup squad more than it is like we want to play him. But yeah, he, he had to put, really work. He yeah. pointed out, he pointed out he was he had to bust his chops to get into that squad. Mm. I think we need to talk about the human element of what you know, we talk about why is this player come back from injury too early, or why is this player doing this or doing that? Like you can't bear in mind all these guys, this is their job, and you ain't getting Anywhere, unless you're playing football. You're happy unless you're playing football, because that's the thing you want to do most in life. That's the thing you're good at. So, yeah, Jack's sending himself off was very, very stupid. It very much was a red card. Um, <laughs> I'm, there are question marks over this Barca, over the Barcelona signings. So, Ellen bought three Barcelona players, Lucas Digne, Yeri Mina, and... Andre Gomes. And, yep. And Marsa, the football paper in, in Spain, ran a headline basically saying we should unveil a statue to Everton for buying three of our worst players. There is the worry that... Mina looked good at the World Cup, so he, he that's did. just Barca fans he, being Barca but fans. But you know how I talk about you know small sample sizes. The Ringer once wrote a piece about how bad Stokes' recruitment was when they, went, when they got relegated last season, which essentially don't pay loads of money for the bench player or the top six side. Just because someone's a bench player for a top six side does not necessarily mean they're good enough for to start in your side. Mm. Just, just because, oh, this is the second, this is the fourth best centre-back. 
at Spurs or Barcelona does not mean they shouldn't be number one centre back for your side. But only time will tell. This is this is merely speculation. Something uh, Rob Brown once said was, "It must be really odd being a goalkeeper for Everton because right, there are at least three languages on show in your back four at all times. What are you talking to them? English. You hope." English. What? I mean, how hard is it? Like, oh, how much? Can, well, you like, know, Petr speaks in English, Spanish, and in French when he's talking to his back four. But that's Petr. That is a particularly erudite man. Whereas, you know, I imagine Joe Hart is very much speaking English, or a little bit of that, broken, <laughs> or a little bit of that broken Italian he picked up when he was uh, at Torino. Interesting. Broken Italian. All right. Um, let's run through a few of these questions. Well, Sun- Southampton and Burnley in the only nil-nil. There was that. Southampton, I don't what the who what demon cursed Southampton so now they can't score goals or don't want to score goals anymore. Um, they sold all their best players to Liverpool. Yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you give them money, you give them however many players. It's I've lost count now. Um, okay, just quickly, we'll run through these. Why HHB hating on baller slash fellow countrymen like Lamar? Guy reps Victor Moses. That's from the Bill Goat. Why do you hate on Lamar if you do have hope? Lamar, the R&B singer, or Lamar, the football player? <laughs> RBGFC, excuse me, um, says, please thank Half Hope for finally seeing the light when it comes to Keita. So a little shout out there. Um, does Half Hope still think Salah is a one-season wonder? Well, Niger boy. Yes. All right. <laughs> is Sterling the most undervalued winger in the league? Does so much with and without the ball, yet people seem to only focus on his finishing. Great goal that we didn't mention. Um, really good goal. Really good. I goal. don't know why they showed him in on his right foot. Just, yeah, I that was, that was naivety from from Bellerin there. But uh, you know, if Sterling has that, which he showed last season, if he can improve upon that, so it's so, be a so, really good player. Man. It's, it's, all, it's, it's interesting that he can score goals for a City, but when he gets to England, it's just like not yeah, no, no, that's what it's like. Why does he play with more confidence under Guardiola than South Southgate? You know, like under Guardiola, maybe it's different players, but under Guardiola, he just seems more confident that as opposed to it could be just the shirt it could be the fact that he plays in a system that protects him and mm. very much he is told week in week out don't listen to what xyz people say just get on with it rather than you know the press liking to run certain headlines about him every single right. week when it's england time this yeah. is from gowan the gowan 69 considering the possible upside in signing both signing bonus and per year money should players try their try their luck in free agency more often? Why don't they? Uh, because they free have agency. houses. Is, is this like have, the NBA? What the hell? They have houses to pay for. Yeah, you might be able to get an extra two hundred and fifty k by becoming a free agent and signing for a place. You might also not get signed by a team you want and you end up with a pay cut. Something you should always bear in mind is once you get out of the Premier League, most of these footballers are just paying for their second mortgages. Right, you're essentially a freelancer if you are in League One or the Championship. You're on one-year, two-year contracts. If you get injured, that could be your slot run. So yeah, why risk free agency when you know you can get guaranteed money, especially when you've got maybe a kid going to private school or maybe uh, maybe a mum or a dad or a partner who has health problems that you have to pay for privately. Like this, football is, just because you are earning some money in football does not mean you are okay. Yeah, man. Once you once you, once you make more money, more money goes out. So yeah. you got to keep making that standard of money, otherwise things can go a bit pear shaped. Um, Sabian the Great. Now that Inna got Kato Balde, goodbye, and we don't have to play with that brick of Kandriva anymore. How? Yes, how, <laughs> I knew that was coming. How far you see this Milan 
side getting in the champions in the champions he means champions league and Serie A this season so basically how good can inter do this season it's for, for me i think that Inter Milan have to really go for it this season you kept ikadi which was huge you also got nangolan humongous to get him off roma is huge but Inter Milan are still missing a playmaker. Give Inter Milan a, a playmaker. Give them a creative man. This team can do amazing things. Because I think that for Inter Milan, everything is that you have an amazing defense, a strong, powerful midfield. You have one of the best wingers in the world in Paris. You now have another amazing attacking wide man in Kitabalde. Can't ever get the hell out of there. Ikadi, as if they finish up, all the elements are there, but they need... Because the issue that Inter Milan have is that when they're in the last step, they don't have that creative force someone to be able to thread balls through to Perisic, to Ikadi, and so forth. And without that, basically, if they could just reignite 2010 Snyder, Inter Milan will be one of the most dangerous teams in Europe. But I think that is what's going to be the Achilles heel, that in those close games, when they're trying to get a goal, Ikadi is going to be frustrated, and Ikadi will have to now come on track back and try and actually create things and play guys in. Whereas I know Ikadi, you're just a bloody finisher, but I don't see the creative force in the middle. I don't see their number 10. You know, that's what's going to be their struggling point. We need to have a segment one day of just like, we take like the top clubs in Europe and we ask Have Hope, which player from Inter 2010 would improve this squad? And I'm sure you'd have a, a player from Eto, Melito, whomever no, no, the player would be. That like team Schneider. is one of the greatest teams assembled. Every single role was covered. The perfect DM, the perfect attacking winger, the perfect finisher, the perfect number 10. The two perfect defenders, the perfect right back and left back. Every role was completely covered and just perfect. And every guy was, every player there was arguably the best player for their role. Maybe Edso, he was playing out of position, but Cambioso was the best DM. That central defense of Lucio and Samuel were beasts in, in Canets. Who do you say, Samuel, one of the best keepers? Melito was arguably the best cold body finisher at the time. That team was just incredible. Remember to talk about Jogba and Henri from MF Bain. Do, do we want to do this? Oh, yeah. Or, or oh, can no, we say this for next week? Heat, man. Oh. Guys don't get it. It's like, okay, what, what are we saying? There's a difference between who is the greater player and who is the better player. All day, every day, Henri is a better player than Drogba. Greater player, I'm have to give it to my boy, Drogba. Simple. I'm kind of happy about this podcast in some way because I feel like you've learned that nuance of best and great. Yeah, there's um, a difference, man. I'm proud of you, man. Like, Thierry Henry is the better footballer, right? But if you want to talk about, like, the greater footballer, then that's clearly Didier Drogba. Now, there was a tweet going I around. dispute your uses of the words you're using there, but fine. I understand what you're trying to say. I think there's a oh, No, okay, no. How how would you say it in your car? Um, I mean, what you're dis essentially describing is... Who, you're putting big moments over career longevity, yeah, right? So pretty much, yeah. Drogba is a, <laughs> you know, I always talk about specificity, specificity, being specific when you're talking, um, <laughs> and making sure you use the right words. You making sure you use the right words to describe and articulate your thoughts. Mm. So, Didier Drogba is perhaps the greatest big game striker the Premier League's ever seen. Whereas Thierry Henry... European football. Well, maybe in, not that far, but... No, yeah. that, that's a very valid assessment. In, like, the 21st century. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go there. I'll I'll go there. Well. Whereas Thierry Henry is a top five goal scorer in the Premier League, which is fine. This is, this is again, this is longevity versus the moment. However, and, however, I have an argument. I have a couple arguments. Now, people... The, 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 most, the, the argument that people run to first 
is the final argument, the big game argument. That's valid, and it, it has its place, I suppose. But what nobody talks about is systems. DDA Jogba played under Mourinho. Mm -hmm. He didn't play under in the free-flowing. He wasn't playing with Burkamp and Perez. Whoa, and whoa, 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 whoa. He's playing on Mourinho, the ultimate cup final manager. No, 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 no. no. I mean, like, people look at the, yo, Jogba's only scored this amount of goals in a season. Thierry Henry had, like, 30, 25, whatever the case may be. Like, if you go by stats, which is the argument that a lot of people put Thierry on, like, they better him. As you said, he's, like, top five in the Premier League. If, if, if you put Didier Drogba in that Arsenal system where it's more expansive and open and the striker would actually get to score more goals rather than playing with Mourinho, where you score two goals in 05, 06, 07, and we just shut up shop, we being Chelsea. Like, obviously, the striker's not going to score as many goals as an open Arsenal. The best comparison I've ever heard of Didier Joker versus Thierry Henry came from former Everton goalkeeper Tim Howard. We shouldn't even be doing this, but go ahead. No, it, we, we, like, everything in this should be saved for next week after Arsenal-Chelsea. Like, yes. this entire thing, save it for next week. Um, the best comparison I've ever heard is from former Everton goalkeeper. I think he's now at Orlando, Colorado Rapids. And he, his description was, he goes, in terms of absolute pants-shitting fear as a striker is bearing down on you. He says no one no one is more terrifying than Jogba. Because Jogba with the ball running towards you is just terrifying. In terms of graceful, this guy is going to embarrass me. I have no idea what's going to happen. He says Henri. He said Henri could run over a puddle without making a noise. This is the thing Tim that, Howard is poetic. Uh, and again, this is the thing I have told Half Hope to do, pay attention to very often. I'll tell everyone listening to this podcast to pay attention to. Do not ascribe your aesthetic choice of what you like in football to become your objective viewpoint. If you like watching smaller, nippy, graceful, balletic strikers, fine. Just don't say those strikers are better than no, your physical no. potential. No, there is, there is an objective for football thing. No, 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 no. no. We are not doing thing. this. We are not having this argument. I refuse... I will not be a part of this. To see <laughs> okay, black men I'm fight sorry, amongst each other, I will not be a part of this black or black violence or no, 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 proximity quickly, violence. Like, I will not be a part of it. I don't want you guys to fight because I know where this is going to go and it's not going to be good. So just chill. We can just vibe. All right. Do you guys have any topics you guys want to talk about? Because we can get out of here on this. None of that's going to make the podcast, by the way. Uh, I'll um, say, <laughs> talk about Winry's goal. Um, not goal, assist. Um, the goal uh, from Iniesta in Japan and the assist from Wayne Rooney in the dying seconds of DC United. Iniesta game. did score. Old footballers just out here having moments that we would never know about if it wasn't for like the internet and Twitter. Like, who's really paying attention to Japanese highlights? The mom The interesting thing is the moments they're having are the exact sort of thing. Mike Goodman said this. The things they're doing are the exact sort of things they used to do all the time in their 20s. It's just that now they're playing in slightly worse leagues. They're able to do it. Slightly? I'm being nice. <laughs> <laughs> like the J-League and MLS are way worse. They're <laughs> not <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, man. Yeah. And okay. they're, able, they're able to do it more. It's like how Ibrahimovic, the very first touch he had in MLS was a oh, typical Ibra goal, which is nice. It's, it's nice that uh, Iniesta, Rooney, and Ibra are enjoying the Indian summers. Yeah, it's it's nice. Depends MLS using, like, doesn't count. MLS. No, nah, it counts. This one counts. Like count. the effort that he put in to get the slide tackle 
Then, like, I thought he might have, when I was watching, I was like, okay, so he's going to shoot this and it's going to go in. I thought he was going to do, like, a Beckham, but he didn't do that. Well, actually, he, he's done that a few times, to be fair to him. But, uh, yeah, he put in the cross and then some, like, short striker just jumped up on the on the far post. Goalkeeper kind of got caught in no man's land. Goal. I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, good goal. It's like, oh, shit. Like, Wayne Rudy's back, huh? But, no, he's not back. He's just in MLS. Anything else that we saw interesting from this week? You know, I had a question. What's going on with Balotelli? But I don't want to get into that because that's going to be another five minutes. But he has he has no club. Well, he no, he's technically rostered to Nice. Nice, um, managed by Patrick Vieira. Balotelli didn't turn up to preseason training. He was late to a number of meetings because it looked as if he was going to Marseille. The Marseille deal has either fallen apart or not come through. The Nice mm-hmm. fans are pretty much like, "What are you playing at? We like helped you revive your career here, and now you're just going to go to Marseille." Balotelli is being. Balotelli. <sighs> Just when I think he's going to put the pieces back together. He when I say Balotelli's being Balotelli, what I mean is Balotelli is doing something and I don't know what that means. There is so much fiction around that man. I don't know. I can't separate fact from fiction. He just got back into the Italy squad too. He scored yeah. a goal when he got back in. I was like, ugh. Um, there's an interesting point where basically Balotelli is well within his rights to go to Marseille because Nice, that squad has been stripped bare. Seri went to Fulham. Like, yeah, I don't know what that's that's, that's good. It's been stripped bare. Favre, you should Favre, the managers on Dortmund. Balotelli's well ready to look, to look around us. Like, no, I'm, I'm out. I'm going to Marseille, which mm. our free scoring Dimitri Payet scored the very first VAR assisted penalty on the weekend, I think. So, Marseille, yeah, just it's speaking fun. of France, like, I need to talk about my son Bertrand Traore quite quick. Did you guys see the double nutmeg goal that he scored? I did not. I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, it's I'll send you the tweet. Um, there was something else that was on my mind. Have folk talk to me about Dembele. You talked about Dembele briefly. I'm gonna give you like a minute to just yeah, no, ramble look, um, about your son. Quality, quality, quality player. And I think that Barcelona are stupid to think that you're gonna sell that dude. <laughs> the funny thing is that did you did you see the guy's interview? So basically, he said like they were interviewing him, and um, he said that they they asked him. I think so. Um, are you left footed or right footed? He says no, I'm left footed. But so that's but you scored with your rights, yeah, yeah. Because I shoot better with my rights, so it's like I'm be dexterous on some kind of new wave, amazing level. But the kid is superb because the issue was always that will he be able to understand how Barcelona needs to protect the ball and the whole intricate thing of them or this whole one touch for football? Because again, for Barcelona, they have like four or five guys in the middle of the pitch, none of, none of that wing stuff, and they try and move the ball and break it down by quick passes. But remember, at Dortmund. It was all very direct, all very thin. So you can lose the ball under to, to help. But this is where, no, we've got to keep the ball a lot more. But when I saw him against Sevilla, he has the understanding with Messi. He understands how to walk through tight space. He understands the whole one-two game. And he's on a similar wavelength with the whole pass and move with the, with guys like Jess, Jessica Alba and Messi and so forth. So, yeah, man, <laughs> it could be a big season for him and could continue. So that's why Barcelona are my, are my pick for the Champions League. Right. I just I, I know you had thoughts about Dembele, so I let you get them off. Uh, I I don't have anything else. Do we got like recommended reads, or did you guys watch any good movies or anything like that? There's a documentary I want to watch. When Black Clansman comes out, what's Black Clansman? Yeah, yeah. Spike, Spike, Lee. Spike Lee joined. Apparently, Spike Lee's back. I, I, I Spike Lee I, never I, left. <laughs> I mean, he did left with the with the Chirac stuff. I mean, come on. You know, I, I need to see Equalizer 2, and I need to see Mission Impossible, whatever number that one is. Oh, yeah, Fallout, yeah. I've heard it was um, really good, like the stunts and stuff. Action is incredible. The action. You, see, like, you, you two are into movies way more than I'm into movies, man. 
But yeah, um, this has been the Talking Tactics podcast. Remember to hit us up on Twitter at Talking Tactics. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. Please follow us on SoundCloud. That would be dope. What, what am I forgetting? Subscribe on iTunes if you're listening this far. Um, shout out to you. Leave us a five-star review. If it's five stars, we'll read it on the show. The link to our fantasy football league, the code to that is in the description of the podcast. Um, so join that. You probably have about what five, six days if you want to do that and have a chance to win. So shout out to everybody that's in there. Any plugs? Um, Half Hope, because you weren't here at the beginning. Yeah, look, man, you know, you can catch me um, at Half Hope Hot. You can catch me on YouTube, Half Hope Football Hot, and catch me on YouTube, on Instagram, the Half Hope, I think. I'm, I'm seeing you doing work on, like, UFF and all that stuff, so yeah, stay irrelevant, man. man. You and DT have beef? No, look, basically, he said that, um, and he said this is on during the deadline day, that um, he, he will bet £50, Arsenal finish above Chelsea, and basically pick the charity of our choosing, and the £50 will go to charity. I, and then I was like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm not too sure. Then I, I, thought, I thought about it. Before any games were played, I said, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll have it. So I did a video saying, you know what? £50 is on the line. Charity of our choice. Whoever loses gives fifty pounds to the charity. So I'm, I'm waiting. So basically, I sent my video over to Robbie, and Robbie is waiting for DT to make his video. And let's do it. Hey anyway, man, we'll keep an eye out. Carl, where can yeah. the people find you? One time. Anchorman six one six. I made Daniel to look collectively aware of talking tactics. Let's get out of here. Sometimes funny. Sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. See you next week. Peace. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>